2: Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. We're getting the month off to a great start by starting the month with a Blueprint Power Hour, which will begin in just a moment. Uh, On today's Blueprint Power Hour, towards the end of the show, we'll talk about, I I have been inundated with messages, emails, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, uh, asking me about my decision to... Go up to 1,000 milligrams a week of testosterone, which I started doing a couple of weeks ago, and everybody is worried for me. I appreciate that worry, but I, I promise you, there's nothing to worry about. Um, but I'm going to answer some questions related to that a little bit later in the show. Of course, uh, people want to know about my hematocrit, and am I not worried about? Dr. George Tuliatos wants to know if I'm worried about estradiol.
1: Calling all Blueprint Army. Fall in line. It's time for the Blueprint Power Hour with Coach Rob Regish on the Superhuman Radio Network.
2: Hey, Rob. How you doing? Oh, Rob, sorry. I had your mic closed. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. Boy, we have a caring audience, don't we? I mean, mean, most of the people are very thoughtful. Like They're like, Carl, why are you doing this isn't it dangerous? Isn't it harmful? Dr. George Tulliato yeah. says to me, why are you abusing? Dr. George, I- I'm going to answer some questions. George is off on testosterone. I know he calls himself Dr. Testosterone, but he thinks that guys should be using uh, 100, 150 milligrams a week of testosterone and sipionate. I'm going to explain why that's a big mistake. There's actually a study that shows that's a big mistake, and I have to dig it up and send it to him. But that's, that's later for our banter at the end of the show
0: yeah, so they're concerned about you and and to this day, I still get emails from guys asking how my you know deal with Rhabdo is and bringing solutions forward, things that might help. it's It's really nice. yeah, yeah. very
2: nice. How's your train you asked me how my training is going? My training is going insanely great so much so that I'm a little too strong right now. I've got to let my body catch up, which is typical right. when you use high doses of androgens. My strength is literally uh, quadrupled overnight. And I ended up pulling a hamstring as a result of that. Uh, How's your training going?
0: It is going exceptional. So I started back after a week off uh, Monday, yesterday. Uh, Did some rack pulls, which I'll get into a little bit later. But everything is coming along really well, including handstand shoulder presses. (laughs) I I can do one now with 18 pounds of added weight vest, and I'm going for 20 this Friday. Wow, that's pretty. Cool. Yeah, and from yeah from there, it's just a matter of building up the rep. So very pleased. I do. I go see the doc again Thursday. He'll be taking blood, so I'll be able to update everybody next week.
2: But the truth is, you're asymptomatic. So really, uh, what what this is probably going to show is that your threshold um, to uh, k- kidney dysfunction is higher because you train so much so so much harder than most people.
0: Actually, an interesting point there. Um, They were using creatinine, right, as an indicator of kidney function, but my kidney doctor ran a secondary test, and I'm kicking myself. I can't remember the name of it. But it measures kidney function. It
2: wasn't myoglobin, right? No. Okay.
0: It it measures kidney function uh, independent of creatinine and wonder of wonders, even though creatinine was pretty high. Your kidneys are fine. Kidneys were fine. So we'll see. We'll
2: see where I am. See, and th- this is why all research, when they do research from an epidemiological uh, standpoint, whether it's hormone ranges, they should include a known population of athletes. I agree. And science won't do that. But the reality is if they did that, because the rea- because the truth of the matter is, when they do epidemiological research to, gre- to create, let's say, what is uh, the acceptable ranges for testosterone in the population? Well, 50% of the population is sick. So right. using them as part of the standardization of hormones is a mistake. I mean, that would be like, let's say you manufactured uh, parts for jet planes, And let's say uh, the authority having jurisdiction over the manufacturing of these parts to make sure that they're safe included in the safety calculations uh, parts that were known to going to fail. So they'd say, oh, you know, the failure rate, acceptable failure rate of this part is 50 percent. What? So 50 percent of the planes are going to fall out of the sky? That's not acceptable. And, but that's what they do with, with, with human beings. They go, oh, well, 50% of the population is sick, unhealthy. They're, they're on a fast track to dying. So let's include their numbers. Right. In, in, no, you, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, good points all around. Yeah,
2: but it'll never happen. It'll never happen. No. I know. Um, let's get on with our first question. Sam Munchnik. I heard you talking about omega-3s a few weeks ago. I take two uh, or three soft gels per day. It says for heart and brain health. I've heard fish oil thins the blood and is good for inflammation. But you say it can also build muscle and burn fat. So how come I never saw anything along those lines? Because modern medicine doesn't care about those things.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question, right? I mean, people think fish oil and they think general health, you know, heart, brain, etc., etc. But as we'll see here, there are performance enhancing applications. So having said that, the single biggest issue, I think, with not seeing the kind of results from fish oil that you can get is not using enough and not giving it enough time. A lot of people give up uh, on fish oil after a couple months. You know, the reality is it's a, it's a fatty acid. It needs to be incorporated into your structure over time. So, uh, in my opinion, anywhere between 6 and 10 grams of fish oil over a minimum of 3 months uh, to really see what it can do for you. I can remember a distinct change, in my opinion, on fish oil when I moved from 3 soft gels a day to 9. You know, just getting out of bed was noticeably uh, easier. You know, a lot of other things were too. So with respect to the performance enhancing stuff, studies show that when taken with protein, fish oil improves protein synthesis rates. Personally, I use Thrive, which already has omega-3s, right? But in addition to that, I'll take three caps of fish oil with every shake. Now, given I do two a day, right, that brings me up to six grams, not counting what's in Thrive. Um, And then my main meal at the end of the day, after training, is either chicken, fish, or steak. And depending upon, you know, if it wasn't fish, then I'll have another three capsules. So, you know, that brings me up into the 9 to 10 gram a day range. Bear in mind that omega-3s are research proven to have the following benefits. And this is, this is not nearly as an extensive list as I could have put on here. Four grams a day of purified fish oil for a period of eight weeks uprated protein synthesis by increasing the subject's um, response to insulin and amino acids. So just realize, you know, all three things need to be in order. Uh, In terms of burning body fat, in another study, there were 44 men and women that received either four grams a day of fish oil or four grams a day of safflower oil. At the end of six weeks, they redid all tests. What they found was that those who supplemented with fish oil significantly, and this was their word, significantly, increased lean mass and decreased fat mass. In addition to that, you will find studies on how fish oil benefits almost everything. Um, But the big ones, in my opinion, improved immunity, protects the brain against traumatic injury, and, of course, it improves joint function. So the bottom line is this. uh, Omega-3s, in my opinion, need to be in your top three when it comes to supplements. Now, you could, of course, eat more fish and use less fish oil. um, But over the years, because I've been getting into higher doses of it, I've come to appreciate the benefits of precise dosing, right. With either with the gel tabs or the liquids, fish oil works, but it takes time for your body to incorporate those fatty acids into its structure. Uh, over several months though, at a higher dosing threshold, you should begin to appreciate the difference that they're making.
2: So here's a couple tips on taking fish oil. Also, um, uh, fish oil is one of those uh, nutrients that responds to uh, abundance and scarcity. Uh, instead of taking the same dose every single day, stagger the dose. So if you're going to take six a day, take 12 every other day or even 18 every third day uh, because mm. that will speed up the incorporation. You're so right. Uh, you, you know, you, you said something and you it was – People may miss the nuance. when What we know, and there's actually a blog post by Alex Leaf on supreme radio.net about this. When you take the same dose of fish oil day in and day out, the very, very valuable omega-3s, uh, especially the uh, DHA, become usable as an energy substrate. The body will burn it as energy. It says, oh, we're getting this every day. We don't have to save it. it it's, it's, it's Every day we're getting it. We don't have to save it. When you stagger your dosing, you know, every other day, every third day, uh, the body goes, we don't get this as often as we used to. We better save it. And that is when it increases the storage as opposed to the burning of these valuable omega-3 fatty acids, number one. That's interesting. I did
0: not know that. Thank yeah, yeah. you for passing yeah. that along.
2: There's, I'll send you a link to this blog post so that you can read it, because there's some valuable information that you could probably include in a, uh, a future Blueprint uh, bulletin.
0: Yeah, Alex does some great work. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very <laughs> he's
2: a very smart guy, very, very smart guy. So uh, the other thing is that uh, a company called Metagenics, and we actually have a Metagenics store on net from Dr. Paul Costanti. They have realized the value of fish oil so much so that they have isolated certain molecules in fish oil that are responsible for improving brain function. They have a product called uh, Omega Genix Neuro, and Elisa claims that when she takes one, she can feel it. Wow. Uh, Yeah, and, and they also have something called SPM Active. So- Fish oil has proresolvin mediators. What this means is they don't stop inflammation, they speed it up to healing. Big difference. NSAIDs stop inflammation, but they stop the healing too. Pro resolvin mediators resolve the inflammation by moving it along to its conclusion, which is heal. And these pro resolver mediators have been extracted from fish oil and super concentrated into these little tiny gel caps. And I take two SPMs a day, and I tell you that I'm training very hard right now. And the fact that I'm training every single day speaks to the value of these. Yeah, absolutely. Fish oil, omega-3s are magic. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, Next question comes from Ricky Price. He says, like you, I'm a big fan of ectisterone. In my search for quality product, I came across Vemo, ectisterone, V-E-M-O. It appears to be from Raponticum cardamoids, like you suggest. It comes out of Europe, though, and the shipping Mm -hmm. costs are very high. My question is, is it worth having it shipped?
0: Really interesting question. Um, You have to scratch around to to find this stuff, but... The short answer to your question is I've used the product, uh, and so here are my my two CCs on the matter. Vimo is an extremely high-quality company, especially when it comes to their herbs. They are a real company operating out of Bulgaria. They also do extensive testing on not only their product but other companies' products, which is interesting to say the least. Tests to date on their Epi product show it's one of the best insofar as what's on the label is in the bottle. Um, they really go the extra mile to ensure that that's the case. Being sourced from Raponticum, then, you would think it was top shelf in the category. Unfortunately, there's one big flaw in the product, and it's this. It is standardized for 95% percent beta ectisterone. Which is simply another name for 20-hydroxyactysterol, which has a very poor track record, in my opinion, insofar as getting people results. Okay. When I tried this, I ordered several bottles. I double-dosed it for a period of about eight weeks, so a two-month run, right? The result, zip, zilch, nada, nothing. I didn't even notice better recovery, um, never mind more muscle and less fat that mirrors my experience by the way with 20 hydroxy sterol the only results i ever got from it was when i made a transdermal and used that at a gram a day and then i started starting to feel some of the recovery benefits this is something that a lot of companies do that are new to the ecty market because in all fairness if you look at the research the body of research literature on ecty 20-hydroxyactysterone is the most commonly studied uh, one. Until such time then as Vimo does like a full-spectrum repoticum, I'd leave this one alone. I will say this, though. Um, While you're there poking around, they do make one of the best tribulus products on the market. Uh, You have to be careful, though. They offer two or three different TRIB products, only one of which is really tailored towards muscle building and that being called Bulgarian tribulus. Okay. At the end of the day, there are really only three trib products that I've, I've liked, I used, and I trust. One of them is adaptogen N. John uses real Bulgarian trib in that and a whopping amount, 1500 milligrams per seward. Uh, Vimo stuff, but also the original tribestin comes in the individual you know, film tabs to guard against moisture. Anybody that's ever sampled bulk tribulus knows how hygroscopic it is. My God, Uh, it gets sticky (laughs) real fast. But um, those would be the three products if you're interested in TRIB. Vimo, listen, Vimo is a quality company with good products. I just wish they'd redo their ecti. They have the raw materials. They have the in-house testing methods. They have you know, everything that they need to do that. Uh, and I even sent them an email and encourage that. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But until such time as they change what they're standardizing for, uh, I pass on their Erectie. If you do want to try something, get their Bulgarian trip. Very good stuff. 60% furostinolix saponins, specifically protodiazine.
2: Pro, and then it's funny that, you know, when you get into the herbals in general, Yep. There are so many things at play, you know, It's and, and we, we think that, oh, we standardize for one thing. That's that's all we need. But there's there's always more going on when it comes to herbals than just that one thing. It really yeah, is. Yeah. I
0: mean, tribulus is a great example, too. You know, the proto, protodiacin, uh, the uh, tribesterone A and B. It just, the list goes on
2: and on. Right, right. Greg Valentino, I, when I first saw this question, I thought it was Greg Valentino from com, but obviously <laughs> no, it's not, because no, he wouldn't no. have this question. He says, I, ch- I just can't get my upper back and traps to grow. I perform lots of upright rows, dumbbell shrugs, barbell rows, and pullovers, but it just isn't happening. Because I've injured my lower back in the past, I'm wary of deadlifts. Well, I was going to tell him, just start deadlifting. Do you have any other suggestions?
0: Yes. And... In in a nutshell, uh, the top range rack pull. Before we get there, though, a word as to what you know what you're currently doing. Uh, I get nothing out of upright rows, and I've only seen people hurt their shoulders with yes, it. yes, yes. And and so I steer far clear of that. Dumbbell shrugs, they don't really allow for the overload that you can get with the barbell. Let me think about it. Even a very well equipped gym with two hundred pound dumbbells. Right, that's a total of 400 pounds. 400 pounds on the barbell shrugs or top range rack pull is warm up weight. You're just getting started. Um, barbell rows are a fine lift, but I have yet to see people uh, have yet to see people doing without significantly cheating when the weight gets heavy. If they lighten up, then yeah, you know it's. It's good. It's not a good thing when you're going heavy, especially if you already have lower back issues. Pullovers are one of the best exercises, but I don't feel they target the upper back in traps like you're you're looking to do. Which brings me to the top range rack. So to perform the lift, simply set a barbell up in a power rack just under waist height. Okay. You should be able to bend your knees and get your legs into the movement and then standing erect, pull the bar, maybe an inch or so off the pins, okay? Due to that shortened range of motion, you can lift an ungodly amount of weight, okay? And using an ungodly amount of weight equals an ungodly amount of overload. Muscles don't necessarily know range of motion. They know tension. And this stuff, deliver, this lift delivers tension like no other. So the amount of beef that you can pack onto your upper back and traps follows suit. Do not, please do not roll the shoulders as you see some people doing drugs.
2: No, you do do that if you want to have shoulder problems.
0: That's yeah, yeah, need. that's another good way to develop shoulder problems. But simply, you know, get the bar off the pins and hold it there, off the pins, for
2: as About long as you seconds. can yeah no yeah. you know what if you can if you can hold it there for thirty seconds if thirty two seconds thirty six seconds whatever yeah. you can do hold it there until you can't hold it anymore and, if, and if, the pin, with, if the pins are set high enough you should just your grip may give out and you just let it go
0: right oh other note make sure to use straps yeah. obviously right I mean your grip is gonna be your weak
2: point right. on the list. Right.
0: um now in terms of how much weight to use. You should be able to use around double the amount of your one rep max on the deadlift. That's right. I said double. Contrary to popular belief, this is a very safe lift due to the fact that it doesn't involve much, if any, trunk flexion. Two such holds using a maximal weight, you can play around with the duration of the holds, uh, are really all that's necessary on your heavy days. I do them every other week and, and early on, you may be able to do them more frequently, but you're going to see the amount of weight that you're able to jump from session to session is dramatic. 50 pounds is not out of the question for a while. You can do that. Um, now, another variation when you might not feel like going for such a heavy weight, uh, you can use less weight, but you, uh, and do more repetitions, you know, like, let's say, I don't know, five sets of 10, you know, I'm not a fan of 10 sets of 10. I just think it's too much, but five sets of 10 is a nice change of of, uh, nice change of pace. This lift lights up your central nervous system like a Christmas tree. It builds obscene amounts of muscle in the upper back and traps. And it, and this is the really important part teaches your central nervous system to simultaneously contract all of the muscle groups in the body at once. This is not just a trap or upper back exercise. You cannot help but maximally contract every single muscle in your body to get that enormous weight off the pins. In fact, if you perform any full range lift after doing the top range rack pull, you will find that you are much, much stronger. Here's a great example. This happened not all that long ago. One guy I trained, he had a personal best of eight weighted dips with 50 pounds of added weight. Okay? Pretty respectable, right? And he was, you know, over 200 pounds too, so he was no lightweight. After performing his rack pulls, he blew past his previous PR and got 13 reps which is an enormous increase. Even picking plates up to load them on the bar, feel lighter. They, <laughs> right. they feel lighter. Yeah. Try it and see. It's all if about you don't perspective. Believe, yeah, try it and see. You will, know, you will not believe what you are able to accomplish with this lift. So
2: I hope that helps. Okay, and when you're done with those, here's what I want you to do. I want you to walk over to the standing calf machine and set it up like you're going to train calves. Okay. But instead of putting the balls of your feet on the machine, put your heels or the middle of your feet because you're not going to be using your calves. Once you're planted here, stand up. You probably raise the weight five or six inches. Pull the pin and now just use your traps to shrug the weight up. And you could probably go real heavy with these. So I used to use these as a finishing movement after deadlifts to hit my traps And I really do attribute the fact that I have really, really high traps to this movement. The weight is on your shoulders. You will get black and blues on your shoulders from this. I guarantee it because the weight is on your shoulders. But you're exclusively using your traps to raise that 400 pounds or whatever you have the pin in that stack for your calves. You're just using your shoulders to do it. And when you get to the top, make sure that you squeeze where you can feel it in the base of your skull. You'll feel the, the muscles in the base of your skull pulling. Do 10 of those three sets after Rob's movement and walk out of the gym. And, and you go home, you'll look in the mirror, you go, man, I can't believe how swollen my traps are right now. It
0: sounds similar to the high shrug. Have you heard of that, the high shrug?
2: I have, but the difference is this, right? So if you're holding a bar in your hands and no. you're shrugging. There's a lot of there's a lot of jangle material in between your trap. See, I see people shrug and their their traps are really not moving, but their shoulders are moving. Their elbows are moving, and everything's moving. But when you take this whole arm out of the mix and you put the weight right there on the shoulder, there's nothing to help the trap move the weight but the trap. And you start okay. shrugging that weight, and I'm telling you, you'll you'll feel this like you've never felt anything in traps before. And you can also, if you want to you got to be careful about this one. I'm warning you now. I don't want people to say, I tried what you said and I hurt my lower back. But if you, instead of putting the pads right on the top of the shoulders, you put them on the rear delts to where you're leaning forward just gently and and shrug it that way, you'll hit the top center of the back of the trap. The top center. I've
0: I've never tried that. I can't wait to try it now.
2: Oh, it's insane. I I used to do them back in the day when I first started deadlifting and squatting. I wanted... I I was like you. I thought, you know, traps say to somebody, this guy lifts something because he's got huge traps. They're going all the way up behind his ears. And I started doing those, and my traps changed forever.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to give that a whirl.
2: Yeah, I'd like to hear what you think about them. Yeah, I love learning, too, and I can't wait to do that. Yeah, I, I, I need to start doing them again. You want to know something? When I have conversations like this, I think to myself, why am I, why am I not doing those anymore?
0: <laughs> I know it, right.
2: So um, let's see here. The next uh, question comes from Matt Lawrence. He says, uh, I know you're a fan. I know you're no fan of HMB, but some of these studies are compelling. The one where guys added 16 pounds of muscle in 12 weeks by plus, they lost a lot of fat, then I saw another showing free HMB plus ATP added even more muscle. These studies were peer-reviewed and published in reputable journals. Even if people gain half that in the real world, it would be a huge step up from creatine. Why do you maintain its junk then? Well,
0: a couple of reasons.
2: course it's junk. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh,
0: because it's been junk from <laughs> day one. But. Um, There is a, unfortunately, there is a large and growing body of studies that are bought and paid for literally by, by supplement companies. Now, certainly studies are a lot better than where we used to be 25, 30 years ago, which was just anecdotal feedback. But the fact is, along with science comes junk science. So along with the money coming from these companies to perform these studies is usually something in the form of an agreement that says the supplement company reserves the right to publish or not publish the information, depending on the results. And as you can imagine, more than a few studies showing no results for XYZ product never get published. Also, as you can imagine, there's a lot of pressure on researchers you know, at XYZ University to show favorable results. No favorable results, no more grant money. Um, in some cases, it's as simple as that. If you look at the available body of literature, okay, on HMB, the only studies showing that it works usually have two names associated with them. Number one, Dr. Stephen Nissen. And number two, MTI Technologies uh and or Iowa State University, who just so happen to hold the patents Mm -hmm. (laughs) on HMB and free HMB. More objective studies looking at all of the available literature, these these are referred to as a meta-analysis, shows that HMB does nothing for experienced weight trainers. Zero, zip, nada. There may be some benefit to newbies just starting out, um, but even that i would I would question, and in the real world, you know what do we see i 'll tell you what I see. <laughs> I see a whole lot of nothing in terms of results now, I did see a lot of kiddies snapping up muscle techs. I think they called it clear muscle, uh, which was free h m b now this is the one that that was going to work right This is the one
2: that's supposed to be. and let 's be honest, they used that name clear muscle because the anabolic steroid that Pat Arnold made for the Olympic athletes was called the clear. Yeah. Let's be honest.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But even those kids, they never bought it again because they figured out probably halfway through the bottle that they got burned. Now, I want you to compare and contrast the HMB body of literature with that of Ectesterone just to draw a, a comparison. You already know about the recent study um, done on humans that was funded by WADA that showed favorable results. What you might not be aware of are the studies done in Russia, Japan, Brazil, Germany, Hungary, and the United States, which go back at least three decades to show that it works either in the test tube, in furry little creatures, and now in humans. In fact, all three have been demonstrated. So, But think about this now. If all of these researchers were fudging their results, then it would have to be a worldwide conspiracy going back at least three decades and in half a dozen or more countries. The likelihood of that being the case, in my opinion, is about as good as HMB working. (laughs) Zero. Zip nada. So Buy creatine, buy your essential amino acids, buy fish oil, or even Ecti if you want to. Decades of research in multiple countries at major universities back those products up. Every single one I just listed. But for God's sake, stay the hell away from HMB in all of its forms. You will get better results, frankly, bumping up the leucine content of your meals or shakes, or uh, or simply eating more high-quality protein. It's as simple as that. And it's a lot cheaper.
2: <laughs> when you, when now, you look at who's doing the studies, you know, yep. all these different countries doing studies on ectosterone, they don't have any vested interest in its, its success because they're not selling it. Uh, WADA's not trying to sell it. But then when you have universities that have patents on these things and they're the ones doing the research – you got yeah. to take it with a grain of, of salt. You have to. You have no choice.
0: And, you know, the Russian studies were the first to get panned by, by the Western world. But if you look at it objectively, um, who was studying it? The government initially was studying it for soldiers, you know, at, at war, during World War II at the front to better survive the Russian winters. I mean, basically, that's where it started. They had heard from local farmers in Siberia that the deer that dug up and ate that root, a hell of a lot more of them made it through winter than those that didn't get it. And that's where the research started. And ultimately, in 1961, ectosterone became a prescription item in Russia. And I think it still is to this day.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more of your questions. You're listening to the Blueprint Power Hour brought to you by CoachRobBriggish.com. Stay tuned.
1: You'll gain with it. Are
2: you still on the fence about body protection complex BPC oral from DrSeeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C bus lifting company Gym in Columbus, Ohio.
1: I had been having some bagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just just things
0: that were annoying. You know, I'm fifty eight years old, so it's just older tendon kind of issues. For us her you know, we really don't stop training when we have just bagging issues. We just
1: kind of keep pushing through and I started the BPC. What I I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all.
2: Go to DrSeeds.com, D-R-S-E-E-D-S.com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today.
0: Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest.
1: Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple product. For lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com.
2: Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000. Or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon1. Go to Redcon1.com That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number 1.com. Or go to SuperHumanRadio.net and click the Redcon1 banner ad today. This is the SuperHuman Challenge. Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back to the Blueprint Pal Hour.
0: I just noticed. 3.6 3. grams of leucine and thrive.
2: Yeah, that's com- that's combined what's in the dairy protein itself plus added EAAs. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we want to stimulate muscle growth, right? <laughs> yeah. Steve Kersman says, um, I need more information on your solic acid. Like, it looks pretty good in the studies I've seen. Supposedly, researchers were looking for ways to keep elderly people from losing muscle. They screened dozens of compounds, and when the dust settled, your solic acid was the most promising. Is it going to help me gain muscle, or should I look elsewhere?
0: Yeah, you know, we've discussed, I've discussed uh, ursolic acid, uh, I think, on the past two or three shows. But his question really has an interesting twist. Notice the wording used to describe how researchers screened and came across it. They were looking for something that stopped, you know, helped stop elderly people from losing muscle. Now, Now look at his question. Is it going to help me gain muscle? These are two distinct different scenarios. One speaks to an anti-catabolic action. The other speaks to an anabolic action. Let me be frank. (laughs) Up until this point, these passive anti-catabolics have failed miserably. serine, OKG, glutamine, HMB. Even prescription anti-catabolics like citadrine, I don't don't know if the guys are still using it, but all of those things failed to add any meaningful amounts of muscle tissue. I'm not saying they didn't act in some way to stop muscle loss, but in terms of actually adding new muscle, it never happened. In my opinion, the best anti-catabolics are anabolics, (laughs) Right. 200 milligrams a test a week is going to preserve a lot more muscle in the face of, say, a severe diet than any anti-catabolic you can name. And it's a, it's a lot cheaper, too. And it belongs in your body. The list just keeps going on and on. The best studies on ursolic acid show some muscle gain, but it's marginal and not considered statistically significant. The translation there is in the real world, from the best I can tell, gaining 10 pounds of muscle would be considered anabolic. If you took something that caused you to gain 10 pounds of muscle, in most people's minds, they'd be like, hell yeah, you know, that's anabolic. That made a, a, a difference. Um, ursolic acid wouldn't build anywhere near this amount of muscle. So if those are your expectations, then I'd say you're going to be disappointed. It does, I will say this, it does seem to switch on various genes favorable to muscle building. Uh, and that's where the, the initial excitement came in. But think about it. You can activate mTOR with 3.6 grams of leucine, right, in Thrive. You can elevate growth hormone by 400% or more with GABA. Granted, it's a transient increase, but the fact remains you can. And you can elevate IGF 1 levels about 20% with things like tribulus and trimethylglycine.
2: And dairy, you know, full fat dairy.
0: Right. right there. Now, do any of these things add 10 pounds of muscle? No. You know, not even close. Where, I will say this, where ursolic acid does shine seems to be. In bringing markers of muscle muscle tissue damage down, so in studies they have found significantly lower levels of creatine kinase, lactate dehydrogenase, and myoglobin. Okay, so don't think those markers of muscle damage don't apply to you, right? Everyone listening is susceptible to rhabdo. and the older you get, the more likely it is. Rhabdo or not, those markers being elevated uh, delay recovery, which ultimately delays muscle growth. So I wouldn't say per se that ursolic acid is anabolic. On the other hand, it may turn out to have some, you know, end of life or, you know, long duration space flight applications insofar as not losing muscle we ever we ever get our act together and send people to Mars, not losing muscle on that trip is a huge win. And they're going to have to find something that does that because in the absence of it, those poor folks, they get back to Earth. They're not going to be able to walk for a
2: long time. We see that just by guys who go up in the space, uh, the, the space shuttle for a while. I mean, they, they come back there. They lose a lot of muscle strength because of the lack of gravity.
0: If you're ever unfortunate enough to be in the ER or the hospital, watch how fast you lose your leg strength after just a day or two of bed rest. Huge difference. The legs go fast.
2: So here's a good analogy, right? You work, you earn money. Right. You put that money in the bank, you save money. Right. Right. and then obviously you spend money and the net between the money you earn the money you save and the money you spend is your savings right so earning money is anabolic yes. monetary anabolic yeah right saving money is monetary anti-catabolic and right. spending money is monetary Catabolism,
0: catabolism,
2: yeah. So you know you could. So if you're not constantly earning money, then the money you have saved, you want to protect it from eroding, from disappearing by not spending as much. But you're not adding to your wealth unless (laughs) you're earning money. So anabolism is the king. In fact, before we lost contact with Doctor De Pasquale, he started to coin a new term, and it was because. Everybody's talking about the microbiome and how it affects He started to use the word the anabolome, the net health effects that anabolism has on the body. And it can't be denied because we see people with more muscle as they age, people that are stronger as they age, they live longer, they do better, they resist disease better. So he was onto something when he started talking about the anabolome
0: yeah dr d was ahead of his time in many different areas
2: i but. wish i wish he'd answer an email i'm worried about him i mean the last couple emails i said i said just just let me know you're okay
0: yeah great guy great interview too i'll wrap up ursolic acid with this if you do want to try it i would encourage you to try pat arnold's ur spray he has put it into a transdermal form which by almost all accounts guys get better results with Um uh, It can be pricey. The the guys that do the best seem to double dose it for whatever reason. And I think a bottle lasts a month. So if you're double dosing, obviously, you're going to need two bottles to last a month. Um, But look, Pat brought it to market. There are a lot of copycats right now. Reward the innovators. He, He deserves it.
2: I think his oral stuff, it comes from Rosemary. Yeah, most of the products on the market do, I noticed. And I am one of these people who just rosemary gives gives me constant, I constantly burp up that taste of rosemary. Really? And I used to take that ursabolic in the black bottle. Yep. I could, I would burp up rosemary all day long.
0: Yeah, I noticed AST Research's or Solic like Acid product came from rosemary. It
2: derived. I them. think it's easy to get because it also comes from apple skin, but maybe it's harder to get yes. apple skin without the apple. Matt Rinaldi says, I think I had a mild case of rhabdo, which I know you've had issues with. After a few heavy workouts, my muscles were sore to the touch, and I was really, really weak for a few days. I don't want to end up in the ER. What can I do to lower my chances of getting it?
0: Okay. So first things first, the, the wording he used was interesting. I think I have a mild case of rhabdo. Um there are not always overt warning signs. Like I had blood in the urine. Other times I was completely out of it, you know, upstairs. Um, But one of the, one of the signs is related to muscular soreness and pain. Everyone I'm sure is familiar with DOMS, delayed onset muscular soreness. So if you train chest, you know, a day or two before and you lift your arm or you make any movement, you'll feel it, right? You'll feel the DOMS. With rhabdo, you will not have to move. You can simply touch, touch whatever muscle. And you're going to feel, if you feel pain, I would get to the ER. Be, you know, rather be safe than sorry, right? Be that as it may, after substantial research on the matter, um, these are my cliff notes on rhabdo. The single most important thing is not to make sudden and severe changes to your training. Um, The literature is very clear. If you're doing something brand new, and it's a lot of something brand new, bad, bad idea. They specified two triggers, uh, which I found interesting. One was mechanical load, in other words, heavy weights, and two, metabolic stress, which would be huffing and puffing, along with those heavy weights. So, I would think a great way to get rhabdo is to launch into a (laughs) 20-rep breathing squat or deadlift program with no breaking in period. Uh, Another great way to get it is to stack two or more intensification techniques on top of each other. I really screwed up one of the times I got rhabdo when I combined static holds, supersets, partials, and occluding the muscle, right, trapping its blood supply. All in the same workout. <laughs> and I wonder why I get it, right? Um training too frequently can also be a trigger given you have less time to repair the damage from your last workout, right? It's it's worse than overtraining. You know, you're you're damaging, 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 and allotting no time for your body to repair itself. Now, contrary to what I was told by the doctors, There are things in the literature that lower creatine kinase, myoglobin, and lactate dehydrogenase, which are the three markers that they're looking at. They include ursolic acid, we just spoke about it, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, antioxidants, and full-spectrum RCE. Now, I'm going to tell you that, back up, that last one was backed up on my latest round of blood work. Okay. Um, although I don't have blood work on this, it would make sense to me that anabolic steroids are also going to limit the tissue damage due to the accelerated repair and recovery, right? That they impart. Um, and so along those lines, I would guess probably high, high, high dose testosterone, uh, and moderate moderate doses of DECA probably would be best in that role, although that, that's just a guess on my part. Um, the literature shows also, interestingly, that upper body workouts are far more likely to trigger rhabdo than lower body workouts, which is kind of intuitive, right? You think if you're squatting and deadlifting, you're using a lot more muscle mass. Not according to the studies. Um, the studies also show that short rest intervals between sets of a minute or less are more likely to trigger rhabdo than, than longer rest periods. There also appears to be a genetic component, meaning if you have or are prone to sickle cell anemia, you're at higher risk. They know that. They know that from, from studies. Uh, primarily that's seen in, in, let's say, black athletes versus white, although it, it can happen in both races. As of yet, there is no home diagnostic test for rhabdo. Only a blood test from your doctor can track the levels of those three indicators that I mentioned. However, I suspect urinary testing strips that include blood in the urine may be a pretty good indicator. You shouldn't have any blood in your urine. And if you do, it's not a good sign. Sidebar, it's not always visible. Um, I can vividly recall submitting a urine sample to my uh, PC doc and there was no reddish tint. There was, you know, nothing. And it came back microscopic blood. And in fact, he went and got a bottle of testing strips and he dipped it in the sample and there it was, you know, the, the indicator for blood in the urine uh, turned color. I think it turned from pink to purple. Anyway, um, in my opinion, you need to be aware of this stuff. Okay, superhuman listeners don't train like normal people. <laughs> you know, you might not use all the intensification techniques I mentioned, but let's be in, honest,
2: in one workout,
0: right? Right? In but one you workout.
2: probably use them, but you just don't use them all in one session.
0: <laughs> um, you are also more vulnerable as you age. So, as my doctor put it. He said, you can train like you're 25, but your kidneys are 50. You know, there's nothing I can do to change that. They simply don't clear metabolic waste like they used to. Ergo, I'm using a lot of those things now um, to limit the damage. So please do not dismiss this advice. Rabdo is no badge of honor. It's no sign, you know, that that you train hard. It's a sign you don't know when to stop. And that's coming from the guy who's had it five or six times. Okay. So your body will shut down on you, primarily your kidneys, but ultimately, you know, if you do not get medical attention and fast, you can go into kidney failure and die. And trust me on this, laying on a hospital bed, wondering if your kidneys will come back this time is a very scary experience. You know, the word dialysis will stop you in your tracks, you know, especially if you come to understand what dialysis really means. So that's a little cautionary tale on rabdo and some of the things that, that you can do um, to hedge your bets against it. I wish I knew all this stuff before it happened. I didn't even know what rabdo was that the first time it happened to me. Um, but listen, you know, be prepared. You've been forewarned, so be prepared.
2: Take a little baking soda before you train. Not, yep. Nothing yep. crazy—a quarter a teaspoon is all you need. That's about a quarter a teaspoon is about one point one grams of baking soda. One point two grams of baking soda. Only about fifty percent of that is sodium. Uh, Less. The fact, rest of it is chloride. Uh, I mean, sorry, yeah. carbonate. Uh, yeah, bicarbonate chloride, right? Um, in fact, good.
0: I was just going to say, the last time I was in the ER for it, th- they didn't just give me IV fluids, they gave me IV fluids with sodium bicarbonate.
2: Yeah, so take take a quarter, of a mili- a quarter teaspoon of ba- uh, baking soda before you train, uh, and you can even take a quarter teaspoon later in the day, depending on how much you sweat, because you sweat a lot of sodium out, mostly sodium that comes out in your sweat. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you think you've had it, or you've been told you have it, you've had it. Uh, then thymusin beta-4, the peptide thymusin beta-4, should be something you use periodically. You don't use it regularly. You'll get a 5-milligram vial of it, use that whole 5 milligrams in a week, and then that's it. If You don't use it again for a few months, and then you do it again. Uh, But the thymusin beta-4 has been shown to actually reverse uh, the fibrotic buildup uh, in kidneys that's found in chronic kidney disease. And sodium bicarbonate. Has been shown to keep chronic kidney disease from progressing. When people have CKD, they give them, they, they prescribe them, if you can believe this, 600 milligram so, baking soda tablets. The pharmacy sells them. They wanted to give me those. Yeah, they, you take one or two, three times a day, and that keeps your chronic kidney disease from progressing. Now, think about this uh, for a second. There's a study out there. That shows sodium chloride does the same thing for the kidneys. What's sodium chloride? table salt. What does every doctor tell every patient don't use <laughs> yeah. table salt. salt. So these yeah. people are damaging their kidneys because the kidneys work harder when there's not enough new influx of electrolytes. The kidneys so so think of your kidneys as a dam. When is Hoover Dam working the hardest? When it's keeping the water from rushing through or when it opens wide up and just lets the water go? When is it working the hardest? When it's keeping the water from rushing through. Well, when you are getting regular intake of electrolytes, calcium, magnesium, potassium, sodium, chloride, bicarbonate, these are all very important minerals for your body. When you're getting regular intake of them, the kidneys don't have to work. They can let everything go. The, the glomular filtration rate isn't an issue because they're not filtering anything. They're right. letting everything go because they're going, wow, we have so much of this upstream. We don't have to worry about getting caught short with not having enough. But when you don't salt your food and you train hard and you sweat a lot, your kidneys go, holy F, we got no <laughs> sodium coming in. We got all sodium going out in the sweat. We gotta keep every single milli, gr, milli mole of, of sodium in this guy's blood or he's gonna he's gonna die. His heart's gonna stop beating.
0: Yeah so they have oh, to work uh,
2: they have to work so friggin' hard. Stop making your kidneys work hard and, and start salting your food.
0: How ironic is it? <laughs> Something as cheap as baking soda can stop chronic kidney disease. Which every doctor that I've seen, uh, when they speak to the topic of CKD, says it only gets worse, it never gets better.
2: Yeah, but you could completely stop its progression with baking soda. Something as simple as baking soda, and your chronic kidney disease won't reverse, but it won't get worse. What can actually help reverse it is thymusin beta-4. There's lots of good research on thymusin beta-4 and kidney function. So here, we actually have someone listening to the show. Uh, Riverview Health Professional, especially I've been their coach, Rob, and some of I've had total well operations between all my knee surgeries and abdominal hernia, all of the combined with some genetic issues, I had kidney damage from being under uh, under anesthesia. Yes. Wow. Too many times. This is why I don't. People said to me, Carl, why did why are you putting this foot surgery off for two years? I don't want to be anesthetized. Not only does it damage kidneys, but it has the same effect on the brain as blunt force trauma. Now, think about that. Wow. It's like it's yeah, like getting hit in the head and laying and laying unconscious for four hours. Why? Why I don't want to have surgery? Um, <laughs> he said anesthesia for too, too many times ended up with poor renal function. It took me a few years but I was able to m- miraculously reverse some of the damage. Yes, of course. And wow. I never knew there was a peptide that can help with this. yet. Yeah, it's thymosin beta-4. Very, very I effective. Some,
0: I have some in, waiting in the wings if necessary.
2: Oh, I, So I, I use thymosin beta-4 once a month, one week a month. I take five milligrams over the course of a few days. Uh, yeah. But the other thing is that I always keep some in the freezer Because we have lots of elderly people in our family now that are getting to that age where heart attack and stroke is common. The research on thymus and beta-4, just two milligrams, within four hours of an ischemic event, completely uh, eliminates any of the necrotic tissue or, or damage done from an ischemia reperfusion event. Remember, a stroke is a blood vessel bursting in your brain. And there's a loss of oxygen, and then all of a sudden there's an inrush of oxygen. And that transition is what causes the damage to the nerves in the brain. Thymus and beta-4 completely reverses that damage in the course of six months, just from one two-milligram shot within four hours of the event.
0: I'm, I'm looking at my better half and, and hoping... I can show her how to shoot peptides. If that oh,
2: is- it's so easy. Tell her to just stick it in, stick it in your belly. You don't have to aspirate. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a tiny little needle. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I keep I keep thymosin beta four. I never run out. When I'm getting down to my last two bottles, I order more from PeptideSciences.com. By the way, uh, I order more because I don't want to be without it. Not because of me, but because Elise's stepdad. He's been ablated twice. I mean, we have people in our family that. You know, one of these days we're going to get a call and they're going to say, so-and-so had a heart attack today. I'm going right to the – I'm going to reconstitute it. I'm going to fill the syringe up. I'm going to put it in my pocket. I'm going to go right there. I'm going to say, you give me permission to give you the shot? Boom, give him the shot. And then, then walk away and let's see what happens.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I I have some, like I said, in the fridge just in case. So you do five milligrams over the course of, over the course of, of, one, of week. one
2: week? Of one week, once a month. Okay. You got to be careful with and beta four. It's not all good. Um, too much of it is not a good idea because it actually causes an increase, a dramatic increase in vascular endothelial growth factors. So it builds new blood pathways. It's great for neuropathies for that reason, um, but it also is not good if you are if you have unknown tumor growth or cancer it'll actually cause new blood pathways into the cancer. Remember, cancer leverages anything that's good for healthy cells, cancer leverages it as well. Mm. That's why it's stupid to blame IGF1 on uh, cancer on IGF1 because IGF1 is important for healthy cells too. Cancer is an evolutionarily advanced cell designed to survive at all costs. So it gobbles up all of the glucose. It gobbles up all of the leucine. It gobbles up, all, gobbles up all of the methionine. It has a lot of different ways it can stay alive. It's a hybrid. It can live with, with oxygen without oxygen. And it can grow. It actually produces its own telomerase. So its telomeres stay long. So its DNA can keep replicating faster and faster. So when we start blaming things that help the body stay healthy... As feeding cancer, it's misguided. Yes, it's helping cancer, but it's also important for the rest of the body. You can't kill the rest of the body just to kill cancer. And that's what chemotherapy does. Chemotherapy poisons the whole body and poisons cancer at the same time. In my humble opinion, chemotherapy is tantamount to burning down your house because you have a stain on your carpet.
0: It it amazes me that how many years after uh, Nixon launched the war on cancer, the chemotherapy is still, you know, one one of the... There,
2: there the, is a lobbying group for chemotherapy. There's a group that uh, goes up to Capitol Hill and pays politicians to keep chemotherapy as the standard of care.
0: That explains a lot,
2: doesn't it? Jeez. I mean, back in the day, if we had... Uh, if, if, if the people who farm raised leeches, they w- there would be a lobbying group that says, no, you got to keep using leeches to cure diseases. <laughs> Thank God they didn't have... That kind of money and power back then. But yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have the blueprint tip of the day, and then we have our little banter. Uh, We'll talk about uh, all the people that are worried about my increased testosterone use uh, after this break. Stay tuned. You already know the benefits of red light therapy. Now you have to find the strongest, best one out there at the best price, right? That's where Scott Chevery found himself. He had to create Mito Red Light so you can get the strongest, best red light therapy unit in the world at the absolute best price. And the Superhuman Nation gets an additional discount. Go to mitoredlight.com and use code SHR to get the lowest price anywhere, plus free shipping inside the USA and deeply discounted shipping worldwide. Go to redlight.com and use code SHR today. That's M-I-T-O-R-E-D-L-I-G-H-T.com. There's a phenomenon today. So many of us sit for hours each day. Slowly, our bodies respond by shortening certain muscles. The psoas gets shorter and shorter over time. It leads to lower back problems, stiffness when standing, and inhibits your running performance. Now there's soright.com That's P-S-O-R-I-T-E.com. right Pso-rite is a device that. That allows you to stretch your psoas muscle and return them to normal function and it does it better than any stretching movement or chiropractic adjustment can you can use it in your home office or at the gym experience what thousands of people already know check out pso-rite.com and save 20% off when you use the code shr there are a few products that i believe in the way i believe in can see eye drops i've been using can see for six months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing wow that's that's an old commercial. The truth is, I've been using CanSea Eye Drops for 11 years now, and I credit CanSea Eye Drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. CanSea Eye Drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse Canse Eye Drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how CANCI Eye Drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. Are you looking for a better way to absorb the nutrients you know you need? Do what I do and start your day with lipospheric supplements from LiveOn Labs. Unlike pills and powders, LiveOn's patented liposomal encapsulation technology transports nutrients like vitamin C, vitamin B, glutathione, acetyl-L and alpha lipoic acid to where they need to be, your cells. Visit try.liveonlabs.com forward slash Carl to learn why I take these supplements every day to help me perform in the gym and in life. That's try.livonlabs.com slash Carl. Who wants to have better sex? That's a stupid question. Everybody wants to have better sex. And you can start having better sex if you go to the website bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use the code SHR and get a free order of your choice of the only two FDA-approved drugs to treat erectile dysfunction, sildenafil or tadalafil. Best of all, they're chewable, so they start to work in minutes. Go to bluechew, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use code SHR and you will get your first order for free. You do have to pay $5 for shipping, but come on. It's an easy deal. Who wants to have better sex? Okay, get busy. You know how to do it. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. Don't hate us because we feel good. Welcome back. So what is the blueprint tip of the day, Rob?
0: Tip of the day is sleep underpins everything. So since I'm in a, a, a bit of a cr- uh, sleep deficit, nothing too bad. Um, I thought it would be interesting to talk about. And and the more I thought about it, uh, the more I questioned why I hadn't spoken to it before. Whenever I attempt to troubleshoot somebody's issues, you know, people will come up to me in the gym and say, I'm not gaining, I'm not losing, things like that. But whenever I do that, um. I look for their biggest capacity block. And this is the capacity block was something, frankly, that Dr. Deep talked about in his uh, supplements review. And so it's an area of, of your training or diet or rest where, you know, the pipe narrows and considerably, and therefore you, you don't get results like you should. For some people, it's overtraining. Other people don't train frequently enough. For many others, it's diet. You know, they don't eat enough when they're trying to put on muscle and they eat too much of the wrong kind of stuff when they're trying to lose fat. The most common capacity block, though, by far, is this, lack of sleep. It is so bad, I can usually count on at least, I would say, 75% of people that I speak to will tell me that they do not get enough rest or sleep on a regular basis. Worse, it seems to be some kind of badge of honor that people hold on to. You know, when they say, well, I only slept two, three, or four hours. Man, I I went to work today, and I still function. Yeah, great. But let me be very clear about this. If that's you, you will never reach your potential. Never. It's not even going to be close. Sleep underpins everything that we do. So let's review uh, what a lack of it will do to you. First off, sleep deprivation was a factor in some of the biggest disasters in recent history, including the 1979 nuclear you know meltdown at Three Mile Island, the massive Exxon Valdez oil tanker spill, and the 19... 19- was it 86 or 96, nuclear meltdown at Chernobyl, among others. Um, But sleep loss is also a big public safety hazard today, uh, especially on the road. They've done studies and they show conclusively that drowsiness can slow reaction time as much as driving drunk. Think about that. Your reaction time, is slowed as much as driving drunk. The National Highway Safety Administration estimates that fatigue is a is a cause causative factor in a hundred thousand auto crashes every year, and fifth over fifteen hundred crash related deaths a year in the United States alone. Believe it or not, and I was shocked to read this. The problem is greatest among people under 25 years old, right? They're young. You know, these are the people that should be sleeping the most soundly. You know, they age and stress has not yet conspired to rob them of sleep, but there they are, you know, burning the candle at both ends. Sleep disorders and chronic sleep loss can put you at greater risk for the following, and by no means is this an all-inclusive list. Heart disease, heart attack, heart failure, irregular heartbeat, arrhythmias, high blood pressure, stroke, and diabetes. And if all of that isn't enough to convince you, it cripples fat loss and makes muscle gain all but impossible. There was a study published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. This was way back in 2002. It showed that men with sleep apnea also have much lower testosterone levels. Ditto for growth hormone. Why? The first 90 minutes of sleep is the biggest burst of growth hormone, you know, in a 24 in a hour period and regularly giving that up along with the impaired testosterone is like, it's like taking steroids and growth hormone to increase protein synthesis and then not eating any protein. It makes no sense whatsoever. Now, it gets worse. Lack of sleep wrecks immune function, putting you at risk for all sorts of maladies from the common cold to the flu to more serious stuff. Um, it also ages your skin and somewhat dramatically if you're chronically in a sleep deficit. Most people have experienced, you know, kind of sallow skin and puffy eyes after a night or two of missed sleep. But it turns out that chronic sleep, uh, sleep loss can lead to lackluster skin, fine lines, dark, certainly dark circles under the eyes. Now you've seen these people dragging themselves into work. They were, they look like the walking dead. They're getting no sleep. So that's the problem. What's the solution? I would steer clear of common medications prescribed for sleep. I'm not saying all of them are bad, but I'm just going to give you two examples of the most frequently prescribed ones and their consequences. Xanax, right? All of those, that class of drugs, it is dementia in a bottle. I remember being prescribed Xanax, going to the grocery store, coming out and not being able to find my car. My wife's laughing at me, (laughs) right? And, And, you know, I'm 50 now. My memory isn't what it used to be. But that stuff is literally dementia in a bottle, and the drug companies knew it. Look at the studies they did on rats. It absolutely obliterated their memory. And God forbid you get prescribed and use Ambien. Multiple studies now have shown an association between the use of Ambien and the increased risk of cancer and/or death. This increased risk that they found with other, they also found that with other sleep aids, kind of in the same category. The association with cancer appeared even in patients that get this, who took Ambien at a rate of less than 18 doses per year over a two and a half year period. Let that really sink in, especially the next time your doctor wants to write you a prescription for a 30-day supply. I can also add this little anecdote. When I was kind of bouncing around during my divorce and living in different places, there was a guy who I came back, I came back from using the restroom. This guy was laying in my bed looking at my computer in his underwear. I looked at him, I said, Craig, what the hell are you doing? And he was like, you know, I couldn't even understand him. It turns out he was on Ambien and more than a few people have pretty scary episodes of sleepwalking and not remembering a damn thing and doing some stupid shit like I just described. So, you know, it begs the question, what is the solution? In the past, I found all of the following uh, effective to varying degrees. Number one, GABA. Took some of that last night. GABA in the amount of three to five grams on an empty stomach, you get a nice growth hormone boost. But more importantly, it really relaxes you. You will also have some of the most vivid dreams of your life, especially if you combine it with ingredient number two, ZMA. ZMA is simply... Zinc, magnesium, aspirate. Um, They happen to be covalently bonded. That may or may not be a selling point. But look, most people are deficient in zinc or magnesium. It's inexpensive. In my opinion, it's it's a good buy. Um, Minerals should be taken at night uh, as they naturally relax the body. Melatonin, a transdermal, if you can get it. Too many benefits to list here. Bottom line is, if you're, I would say, north of 30, you should be taking it. L-theanine, which is the calming amino acid in green tea, I've used that a couple times. By itself, I didn't find it to be very effective, but in combination with the next item on the list, L-tryptophan, I found it quite effective. It's back on the market after being removed after a contaminated batch came over from Japan. Uh, But It is back on the market, and it's pretty effective, in my opinion, on an empty stomach. Next one, glycine, the sweetener (laughs) in Thrive, right? It is the one amino acid that is sweet-tasting. GABA has relatively no taste. It doesn't really taste like much. Glycine, on the other hand, is so sweet you can use it to sweeten other things, right? What most people don't know about glycine, in addition to a better night's sleep, is there is research showing more growth hormone, uh, better sleep, and more endogenous creatine production. It's honestly a performance enhancer in multi gram amounts. Valerian root smells like rotten eggs rolled in your old dirty gym shorts, <laughs> but <laughs> it does the job nicely of letting you fall asleep. And then finally, a tip of the hat to my wife who introduced me to this, uh, a glass of red wine. After dinner, unquestionably, relaxes me. Relaxes most people. We know alcohol is a central nervous system depressant. More is obviously not better. You know, one glass or so a night. Uh, I'm I do that about five days a week. And
2: do you tra- do you track your sleep at all?
0: Um, yes, because I have a Fitbit, although I haven't worn it in a while.
2: Does it? Does your Fitbit track uh, REM sleep, deep sleep, and all that sort of yep. stuff? Yep. Do you ever yeah. wear it when the nights that you have your glass of wine?
0: Yes, although I never made the distinction between wearing. I'd like,
2: it. I'd like you to. I'd like you to take a look at it. And talk about it in a future show uh, what it does to REM sleep or deep sleep or both. Uh, the nights that you don't have a glass of wine versus some people. Like Elisa can have a glass of wine and it doesn't affect her sleep at all. I have a glass of wine and it totally screws my sleep up. So people, really? are d- different levels of response to alcohol. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, it'd be interesting.
0: That's well, interesting. Um, I will do that and report back.
2: Yeah, be it's just like a self experiment just to see what it, what it does.
0: Right now, I have been working on a sleep product for many years now. One that both allows you to fall asleep. But more importantly, stay asleep, right? There are a lot of things you can take to knock yourself out, but actually staying asleep is the trick. Uh, the trick with this product is in the dosage of a novel ingredient that I've been using. If I take enough of it, I can fall asleep midday and sleep for hours. I did that once, and that never happens. Trust me, never. I think it's going to be, unfortunately, an ingredient with a wide variation of dose response curve. Some people take 30 milligrams, boom, puts them out. Other people take 90 milligrams, they don't feel a thing. Um, So I need to, I either need to find uh, the ideal dosage for most of the population or start combining it with other things, but it really is sharp. Hopefully, it'll be here in a reasonable time frame. Um, Now, if I take enough of it, I can, like I said, fall asleep midday. The best part of that product is this. There's no hangover, right? Um, There's no grogginess the next morning, as with the heaviest hitter that I'll give you now, and that's Fenniboot, okay? You need to make sure to start slow with this stuff, very slow. Gradually up your dose until um, it puts you to sleep. And it will do a good job of keeping you asleep, too, in my experience. Using it only when you really need it or once or twice a week is pure gold. The only downer uh, is it makes, like I said, pe- some people very drowsy upon awakening, which I think is one more reason God created ephedrine, but that's just me. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, um, strong stuff. No question about it. It's so, not,
2: you, you can't get it on. I mean, it, the FDA is is demanding that companies stop selling it. The, the pharmacies can still sell um, supplements that have fenbut uh, in them. Um, so it, yeah. it really is interesting what's going to happen here with fenbut for shortly.
0: Yeah. So so there it is there you have it for a good 75% of you listening in my experience lack of sleep is your is your biggest capacity block Absolutely um getting it right will do more for you than any supplement change in your diet or tweak to your training get on it and stay on it until you find something that works for you you know um it's very it, it, it underpins everything, literally everything that you do. every morsel of food that you shovel into your mouth, every rep, every set, it has to be there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, real quick and then we'll end the show. This is the banter portion. So I've received a lot of messages, emails from many of you who when I admitted that I was using a gram a week of testosterone, who were concerned for me. And Dr. George Tiliatos messaged me and said that it's reckless. And so I said, you know, I was using 250 milligrams a week for my HRT dose, and he said that's even too much. And he recommends 100 to 150 milligrams a week for for, uh, HRT dose. And there's a study I will have to find. It was sent to me by Anthony Roberts, and we actually talked about it on this show probably about 2008 or so, that showed that men that were given 150 milligrams of testosterone cipionate a week after three weeks became hypogonadal, you'd say to yourself, how could that be?
0: It's just enough to shut you down, right?
2: Yeah, and so so what people don't understand about these esters, like enanthate and Sipionate are almost identical, is that, first of all, 150 milligrams of testosterone sipionate is only 86% testosterone, okay? Uh, the other 14% is the cipionate ester, number one. So, and, and I'm, I'm horrible with off the top of my head math, but so let's just do this real quick. So 150 milligrams times 0.86 is 129 t- milligrams of testosterone, actual testosterone. And if you look at the pharmaco dynamics of testosterone incipionate, 50% of that injection, first of all, it peaks in 12 hours after the intramuscular injection. And then 50, 50 half of it is released within the first three days. So let's take 129 and divide it by two. That's 64 milligrams. You divide that by three, you're basically getting 21 milligrams, and this is this is not accurate because it's not it's not this even. It's 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 probably 30 milligrams day one, and and 28 milligrams day two, and and 19 milligrams day three. But just for the sake of this discussion, you get 21 milligrams into your into your body in the first three days. Now, you the balance of it. Hold on a second. Divided by two, the balance of it, sixty-four point five milligrams, is released over the next twenty-eight days. Yeah! Wow, that's amazing. And again, it's not a linear thing, right? It's not like it's really uh, two two and a half milligrams a day for twenty-eight days. It's probably nine milligrams, you know, on day four, and seven milligrams, and it continually trickles down to where the last day you're probably getting a quarter of a milligram okay so you divide that 64 by 28 just for the sake of this discussion that's 2.3 milligrams a day as I said it's probably more like 11 milligrams on day four uh, you know 10 milligrams on, on day five uh, and so on it just keeps but still so and and some doctors want to do this once every two weeks by the way So what happens in this type of dosing protocol is when you first go on it, your body's still producing its own testosterone. So this is no consequence. This is like, yeah, sure, two and a half milligrams a day, no big deal. But after after two weeks of being on HRT, the body goes, man, we have an unusual amount of testosterone. Let's tell the testes to start producing less and less and less. And as Rob pointed out, this is called the negative feedback loop. And this is going to – then when the body stops producing its own testosterone, then you're just getting the testosterone in the injection. Then when they do your blood work after a couple months of being on this protocol, they find out, oh, my God, your, your testosterone is only 270. How could that be? So but, this idea that uh, HRT at 150 milligrams of a cipionate or anthate ester a week is, is all you need is complete hogwash – Hogwash. Two hundred milligrams is the least anybody should be doing a week. Two fifty is the standard today for therapy, and that gets guys like. So what they'll do is they'll put you on two hundred to two fifty a week for three months. Every week you're getting this shot, or you're administering it yourself, and then you give yourself a shot on on Monday. Yeah, and you're not due to give yourself another shot until the next Monday. So that Friday, they have you go get blood. So you're not in that three-day peak. You're already leveled out. And they go, oh, you're great. You're 700 nanograms. Perfect. That's where you belong. You're good. You do that with 100 to 150 milligrams a week, you're going to be hypogonadal. I guarantee it. And there's a study that shows this, and I have to find it. But there's a study that elucidated that that was way too low of a dose to be used for HRT.
0: Well i'll I'll go you one better. The first doctor that I saw put me put me on eighty milligrams a week of test sip, and to your point, it's not all testosterone, and I remember getting the blood work back, and my testosterone was like three
2: twenty six yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so in the the first three days, you were basically getting a normal dose. You are getting 14 milligrams a day for the first three days, which is – they say the average man produces between 11 and 15 milligrams a day. But then after that, after that, then you were getting uh, 43 divided by 28. You were getting uh, 1.5 milligrams a day moving forward after day three.
0: Yeah, and and even worse – It was shutting me down. Levels of luteinizing hormone, follicle-stimulating hormone, all that stuff was in the tank. So I'm sitting there, and I said, wait, I've got testosterone levels in the cellar, and it's shutting me down. My God, it doesn't get any worse than that.
2: No, it doesn't. And then for those of you who have emailed me and said, am I not worried about... My estradiol, I'm not a high aromatizer. Even when I was doing two grams a week, I think the highest my estradiol ever was was 54. Um, I'm very fortunate that way. I am a fairly high 5-alpha reducer. I do produce a lot more DHT from testosterone than probably the average fair-skinned guy. Um, And my hematocrit has never been a big deal. Even when I was on two grams a week, it, it just wasn't... My hematocrit didn't go that high, but I do donate blood. But I do that for other reasons, to get iron out of my body, not to lower my hematocrit. Um, and I appreciate everybody's concern. I really do. But how, you have – again, I'm sorry.
0: I was going to ask, how did you determine that you were – had, you know, greater than normal issues with DHT? Oh, my DHT,
2: when, when I'm on cycle, when I, was on, when I was on two grams a week, my DHT was very high. Okay. And That's even even on 250 milligrams uh, a week, the HRT dose, my, my DHT levels are on the high end of the range. Okay. So, I, you know, I can
0: kind of see, uh, you know, you would be able to tell if you aromatized much or not, but DHT.
2: Well, you DHT know, you I, can too. So I do get oily, you know, sebaceous production in my skin. That's yep. from DHT. I do have uh, the receding hairline, which is uh, common with DHT.
0: You're sixty years old, right? Yeah,
2: but I mean, it, but my hair started really thinning when I went up to when I was doing more than a gram a week. That's when it started to really. And that, that's from the DHT. I would never do finasteride. It's a horrible drug. I would never, never, ever do it. Um, and so, so I know I'm a high fi- I'm a five a high five alpha reducer because my blood work shows that my DHT goes up high, right? But my estradiol doesn't go up high. I never, I've never ever ever experienced tender nipples, or you know any of those uh, fat storage in the butt and the hips from from estrogen. I mean, I've never experienced any of that. So I'm not, a, I'm not a high aromatizer, and even when I was using high degrees of androgens, the most I've ever used is uh, 3,600 milligrams a week of injectable androgens. Uh, my hematocrit has never been off. My hematocrit has never been above the unacceptable level. I've always been able and to where, donate where, blood.
0: Where would you Where would you put that? Let's discuss that because, you know, that's something that I do every couple months. I go and, and give blood. My hematocrit, I would say when I go to give blood, it's usually between 16 and
2: 18. Yeah, and my, my hematocrit has never been higher than 17. Never, ever, ever, wow. ever.
0: Even on that amount of yeah. tests,
2: huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez. Because I think the high, like if you go donate blood, I think if it's 21, that's when they say, now nah, you can't donate blood. <clears throat> and I've never been turned away. because It, has to, be a,
0: it has to be, a, I think, a therapeutic phlebotomy at that right. point. Right. Then you have right?
2: to have a prescription. They, they, they supposedly throw your blood away, but I found out that they don't. They do <laughs> sell your blood anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all. And and then let's talk about hematocrit for a second, right? We're talking about blood viscosity. We're talking about your blood is so thick, it's harder for your heart to pump. But that doesn't mean it clots more. Clotting and viscosity are very, very different things. So you can have people whose hematocrit is twelve, and they can and they can end up with a uh, a thrombosis, uh, a a, you know a, a, a blood clot in their lung a blood clot in a leg, and you say, well, how could that be there? The hematocrit is so low because hematocrit does not mean clot. There are proteins like D-dimer that indicate the clotting factor of your blood. They are mutually exclusive from from, uh, hematocrit. That's why you have a thrombotic index test. Separate of a hematocrit. If hematocrit meant blood clots, they wouldn't do a thrombotic index. They wouldn't care about thrombotic index. Thrombotic index means how easy your blood clots, and hematocrit speaks to the viscosity of your blood, how watery it is, or how thick and sludge like it is. But that doesn't mean clotting. Has
0: anybody worked out the answer to that occurs in older males, but not younger ones? What does? Elevated hematocrit.
2: I don't I don't, I, don't, I don't I don't know, know I don't know that to be completely true, but I have a funny feeling it's it's a result of uh, of compromised liver function over time you know I think really? your li- yeah, your liver gets dirty, it doesn't do as good of a job yeah yeah,
0: I always found that interesting. I wanted to know you know why why is it you know guys in their twenties can shoot up a gram or more, not have an issue with hematocrit but boom, they turn
2: forty. You know, I take that back. I take that back. It's probably more spleen function. So your spleen is responsible for taking red blood cells out of circulation. Mm -hmm. So it's probably compromised spleen function as you age. It also could be lack of movement. You know, the more cardio you do, uh, the lower your hematocrit goes, right? Uh, uh, uh long distance runners, they're all anemic no matter how much iron they get, no matter how much red meat they eat, they're always anemic and yeah. uh, there is some evidence that um, red blood cells rupture in these people from the the striking the body you know violently striking the ground thousands of times uh, you know uh, every 10 minutes and more red blood cells rupture and then the spleen gets them out.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, there's a lot to it, you know, and some of it is individual variation. But, boy, the big thing I learned was, you know, doctors' attitudes and, and, frankly, the amount that they'll prescribe varies greatly. I mean, you go to a doctor in the Northeast and you're going to find more than one that says, you know, 80 milligrams a week, we're not going any
2: higher. It's just, that, that just shows that they don't even understand the pharmacodynamics of that drug.
0: I asked him, you're going to get a kick out of this. I said, why don't we do 100? And he looked at me and he said, you do realize these are drugs of abuse.
2: He said, so, he said, you know, I, I wish then you knew what you know now. You could have said to him, you do realize that this drug releases over 28 days just because you're giving me a shot every week doesn't mean that whole shot is being utilized in the week.
0: Yeah. You know what I did say to him, though? (laughs) I said, hey, Doc, you and I both know I could shoot that entire vial. It doesn't speed me up. It doesn't slow me down. It doesn't change my – you don't get high.
2: Yeah, you don't feel anything.
0: In fact, if Joe Biden hadn't stuck his stupid head into the issue, you know, the AMA –
2: and the DEA, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't even want the are, DEA never wanted to enforce right. uh, testosterone as a uh, as as a drug for them to go after people. They never right. wanted to be in that fight.
0: Yep. So, and that's that's part of the the sad history of the government demonizing these drugs. And frankly, athletes are a lot worse off for it because they're you know there's so, so many half truths and myths and rumors. It's crap.
2: Well, you got to really remember that sad. Joe Biden would have been a pro baseball player if he would have been willing to take drugs. That's, yeah. a, that's what he said to yeah. Congress. Can you imagine?
0: God, somebody at the highest levels of government to come out and say something that's that
2: stupid. Look, look, if, if anything, if if, if 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 anything is anything today. It just shows that Joe Biden just makes stuff up as he goes along. He does. I mean, whatever comes into his. Well, he, oh, yeah. I, I yeah, I fought in the Civil War. I was there. with yeah. Robert e. I, I looked Robert E. Lee in the face when I told him, You're not going to do that, mister.
0: <laughs> It'd be funny if, if he wasn't causing huge problems like he did with this class of drugs. Yeah. Face it. No. So, All right. That's job.
2: it for today, man. And thank you for your concern. I promise I'm not going to die from my testosterone. In fact, I'm down at 750 a week now because just because I don't want to have to inject twice a week. So now I'm doing three CCs in one shot, one week this leg, one week that leg. So each leg gets two weeks off. Cool. So I don't have to start doing sub-Q again. But I feel great. I'm strong in the gym. In fact, I pulled my hamstring because I'm stronger than I'm ready to be right now. So I got to be careful. All right. We'll see everybody next week with more. Thank you for listening. Don't forget if you have uh, questions for Coach Rob, send them to onair at superhumanradio.net and we will add them to the list of questions for next week's show. Take it easy, Rob. And yes.
0: And visit my website, com. It is completely new, completely updated. We have new pricing down to $5 a month on some items. Wow.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: That's pretty. Yep. Yeah.
2: Go there today. Be stronger tomorrow. <laughs> See you later.
0: Thanks,